All right. Thank you so much, worship team, for that wonderful time of worship and just being in the presence of the Lord. I could have, we could have just kept going. We didn't have to stop there. That was so beautiful. And I know the spirit of the Lord is here and he's moving in our midst. Uh, welcome to all of those here that are here in person, those that are watching online, and maybe some of you that are watching on demand later on in the week. Thank you for joining us here at Unionville Alliance Church. If you are with us in our Bible reading plan as we're reading through uh, for 90 days, reading through the Gospels, yesterday you would have read a portion of scripture in the Gospel of Matthew about Jesus feeding the 5,000. And that's the same passage, or the same story at least, that we're going to be looking at this morning, uh, but through the lens of the Gospel of Mark, which we'll read later on in our reading plan. Uh, the unique thing about this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, it's the only miracle that's found in all four Gospels. Okay? The only miracle that's found in all four Gospels is Jesus feeding the 5,000. And it must have been very impactful, very meaningful uh, for the people because they remembered it. And all of the Gospel writers wrote about it. And so I think if you and I were there, would you forget something like that? Probably not. Right? It's something that you would uh, remember. So it was an amazing miracle. And I just want to share with you sort of three big things as I was reading this passage and as I was praying about it and thinking about it, three things that sort of just jumped out to me uh, as we remember and think about the God of miracles and that God is still able to do miracles today. And some people might not believe that God is able to do miracles today, but God is able to do miracles. But in this story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, let's look at a, a couple of things. The first thing is that Jesus is concerned about you holistically. What do I mean by that? I mean that Jesus is concerned about you spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally, every aspect about you. Now, a lot of times we just think, oh, Jesus is just concerned about my spiritual life. Jesus just wants me to grow closer to him spiritually. And it's true that he cares about our spiritual life, but he also cares for us as holistic beings. As we read in this portion of scripture, what happened was that Jesus had sent the disciples out and they were involved in ministry. They were doing healings and miracles and preaching and they were doing all of these things. They came back to Jesus and they were tired. It was a strenuous season of ministry. And they came back to Jesus and they were tired. And Jesus realized what was going on. And so Jesus wanted to give them a break. He wanted them to rest. He wanted them to recuperate from everything that was going on. Mark 6, verses 30 and 31. The apostles returned to Jesus from their ministry tour and told him all they had done and taught. Then Jesus said, let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. He was concerned about their, their physical exhaustion. He was concerned about their mental state, all of what, what has happened. Have any of you been through a busy season, a difficult season, then afterwards you feel like... I need a vacation, right? And then you go for the vacation, and then at the end you're like, I need a vacation from the vacation, <laughs> right? Well, they had gone through a busy season of ministry, and they needed a vacation. And Jesus realized that, and he knew that. He wasn't all about just pushing them, okay, go and do some more, go and do this, go and, okay, now, now that you are come back, check off all of these other things that need to be done. No, he realized that they needed a quiet place. They needed to rest. They needed to recuperate. Jesus cares for our being holistically. He cares for us so that our body can rest, our spirits and our souls can rest as well, right? 
And so he, uh, as, he, as he led the disciples there, unfortunately, because now it was sort of double-fold. Jesus had some fame going on. He was doing miracles and signs and healings. And so people were coming and wanting to be with Jesus because they wanted to have maybe their friends and family members healed. But then the disciples had gone out and they were doing all of these healings and miracles. And so now it was double-fold. They're doing all of these things. The crowds are following after them. And they came and... Uh, Try to follow wherever Jesus was going. And then it says here in verse 34, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. So here he sees the multitudes come and his heart of compassion is moved. And he realizes they're like sheep without a shepherd. They need, I, I'm caring for their spiritual life now. He cared for the disciples in a very holistic sense. He cared for the people in a very holistic sense. He wanted them to grow spiritually, but he also wanted them to be physically well. He wanted them to grow spiritually, but he also wanted uh, them to be emotionally well. And so when he saw them, he realized, okay, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Let me teach them. Let me tell them the truths of the kingdom of God. He cared for them spiritually. And then a couple of verses down, when they, the disciples came to Jesus and said, okay, Lord, great teaching, wonderful. You know, we could go on forever with this teaching. It's really good. We're just all eating it up. It's really great. But um, it's getting late now, Lord, so why don't you just send them away so that they can buy something to eat? Really good plan, Lord. I think, you know, we got, we got the Costco there. We got the, you know, the restaurants here. Like, just send them over there. They'll take care of them. And Jesus says, you feed them. And they were like, what? Excuse me, do we hear, hear you properly? You want us to feed them? Do you know how much money it's going to take, Lord, for this to actually happen? For us to, we're going to have to work for a whole year just to get enough money to feed all of these people. But Jesus said, you feed them. He cared for their physical state as well. They had been there listening to the Lord. They had been there receiving his teaching. And he didn't want to just feed them spiritually, but he also wanted to feed them physically. Jesus cares for us in a very holistic sense. It's not just about the spiritual life, which is important, but it's also about us physically, it's about us emotionally, it's about us mentally. God has created us as holistic beings. He's gifted us with emotions. He's gifted us with mental faculties. He's gifted us with intellect. He's gifted us in so many different ways, and he wants us to be healthy in all of those ways. And so he says to the disciples, you feed them. And so they came back and they're like, Lord, you know, I, I think it was a really a joke. They probably came back to the Lord and said, hey, look, we got five loaves and two fishes, right? And I don't know if, if I was around there, I don't know if the disciples were joking and telling the Lord, hey, we just have five loaves and two fishes. But uh, they came and, and showed that to, to the Lord. And the Lord gave them this instruction. Then, then Jesus told the disciples to have the people sit down in groups on the green grass, what do, you think, what do you think this is? These are life groups. <laughs> right? They heard this wonderful teaching, right? They heard this wonderful teaching from Jesus. All right, this is great, wonderful. Thanks. Guys, let's, let's split up into small groups here. Let's sit down together. I'm going to give you some food as well. You know, break bread together, eat together. This is going to be your small group time. You're going to dig a little bit deep. I know what I shared was really deep and, you know, maybe went over your heads a little bit. But, you know, if you discuss a little bit together, you might be able to get, you know, what's, what's going on. He cared for them that the teaching just didn't go over their head. 
that it wasn't something that just went in through one year and out the other year. He said, guys, let's get together and let's talk about this, right? And you know, the great uniter of all things is what? Food, right? I know most times you think it's Jesus, but you know, he unites things too as well. But the great uniter of getting people together is, you know, so he said, you guys sit down together in small groups, right? Talk, talk it over. You, you start the discussion, food's on its way, okay? You start the discussion, food's on its way, right? So this Wednesday, we're starting something called Gather and Grow, which we started last, last semester. I want to encourage you in, in, in this way. I just want to explain this very clearly to, to everyone. We part, Gather and Grow is a, a multifaceted uh, ministry that we're trying to do on Wednesday nights. There's something for your children to do, the STEM program. There's something for the youth to do on Wednesday nights, and they've been meeting on Wednesdays for a number of years, right? And there's something for adults to do as well. Now, initially... Um, it was announced there about there going to be a parent mixer. So if, if, you're, if you're a parent and you're dropping off your kids for children, children's STEM program or for youth, you can stay. You don't have to leave. You don't have to just like, I'm going to drop them off and then I'm going to go shopping, right? You can drop them off and you can stay because there's going to be an opportunity. We're starting a new life group this Wednesday, okay? Um, there's going to be an opportunity for things post-alpha. If you came to alpha the last time and you want to dig a little bit further deep, uh, and deeper in and you want to do another study after alpha, we're going to have a, a post-alpha study. Uh, this Wednesday in particular, we want to just hear from you and get uh, ideas and inspirations. What is worthwhile for you uh, as adults? So even if you're not a parent, if you're a senior, if you're past the age of parenting uh, and you have some time and you want to gather together with others on a Wednesday night come out particularly this Wednesday and as we just explore different ideas and different options of things that can be beneficial to you we want to hear your input as well as we plan the rest of our program and it's going to be a, a wonderful time that you can just gather together with other uh, adults as well uh, and learn the word of God and there'll be a variety of things that you can engage in and so Jesus in caring for and so we're trying to follow the example of Jesus as well in, in caring for people's uh, holistic needs we want to also be able to provide a program that cares for a variety of needs of wherever you might be in your spirit journey. And so here we see, again, Jesus is, is caring. He tells them to sit down on the grass and to be together, talk, discuss, chat about the message, and I'll send you some food on the way. And after all of it's done, right, in Mark 6, it says, afterward, the disciples picked up 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. I thought this was so kind and thoughtful of Jesus for the disciples, because guess who was serving? The disciples. And if, if any of you have come and served at Alpha and things or, or other programs, do you know what happens? You serve, you serve, you serve, and you're doing, you're doing this, you're washing up, and, and then at the end of the day, you might not have even eaten anything, right? So Jesus, very mindful, I think, of the disciples, very mindful holistically of their well-being, said, hey, I'm going to have like 12 doggy bags, you know, set aside for you after everything's over. You, this, this is just for you, Right? They got extra portions. Jesus was very mindful of everything that was going on. Friends, I want to let you know, the Lord is mindful of you. The Lord cares for you. The Lord cares for you spiritually. The Lord cares for you physically. The Lord cares for you emotionally. The Lord cares for you mentally. The Lord cares for you in every aspect of your life. The Lord cares for your, your relationships. The Lord cares about the trials that you're going through. In Peter, he says it like this. He said, uh, in, uh, in Peter, give all your worries and cares to God. Why? For he cares for you.
The Lord cares for you. Whatever your trial is, whatever the miracle that you need, whatever the situation that you're going through, whatever the hardship, whatever your eyes are looking upon Jesus for, he cares for you. In Matthew, it says it like this, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now, if the Lord's going to take time to count, you know, the hairs of my head, and, you know, they're reducing, so the number's, you know, going down day by day, then... I think there's a lot of other things that he cares for. If he cares for the very littlest thing of the hairs on my head, there's so many other things that the Lord is mindful of. In the experiences of Jesus, and we're going through this series of Jesus, and this section particularly, part two, is we're looking at some of the experiences of Jesus, and today, of course, is the experience of feeding the 5,000. We see how Jesus was always mindful of the people in a very holistic nature. There was a time when, when Jesus was going to a certain place and a widow was coming because there was a funeral train and a widow had lost her son and her son was dead. Jesus, seeing that widow, her, his heart was moved with compassion because she, he realized her physical need that her son now was dead. And so he raised that boy up again to life, realizing that that widow needed her son. He was mindful of her relational need and raised that boy to life. When Jesus had come to the house of Peter and Peter's mother-in-law was sick and Jesus uh, spoke a word and and healed Peter's mother-in-law, Jesus saw the physical need of Peter's mother-in-law and healed her. Jesus went and visited Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Jesus came mindful of Zacchaeus' spiritual need. uh, He was in darkness He was in sin, and Jesus, mindful of Zacchaeus' spiritual need, visited Zacchaeus, and his life was totally changed around. At one point, the disciples were on a boat, and there was a great storm that was happening, and the disciples thought their their emotions were all over the place. They thought they were going to die. They cried out, Lord, save us, and their emotions were all over the place. Realizing their emotional need at that time of distress, Jesus said, peace, be still, and he calmed the waters realizing the distress of their emotions on the um when he was when when he came he encountered a man that was filled with uh, so many demons and with one word he cast those demons out jesus realizing the mental need of that man the fact that he was tormented with all of these demons with one word he cast them out and healed that man and met that 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 mental need of that man when Jesus was on the cross of Calvary and as he, as he hung there with the sins of the whole world coming upon him, who was Jesus mindful of? His mother that was right in front of him and gave instructions to John, his disciple, that said, please take care of my mother. Jesus realized the needs of others. Friends, Jesus cares for us in a very holistic sense. Number two is that Jesus thinks and works in the realm of faith. There's so many times that we think and work not in the realm of faith, but in the realm of practicality, right? And if, we, if, if I was one of the disciples, I would be like, Jesus, five loaves, two fishes, 5,000 people, they don't add up, right? We need a bigger order here. And so many times we look at the situations and circumstances in our life and we limit God from working because we limit ourselves and our faith based on what is practically possible, not realizing that there's a God of miracles that works in the impossible realm. That there's a God that can do something that's beyond our thinking. Jesus was thinking about something that was much bigger. 
And we need to open up our eyes and our understanding and our hearts and our spirits and our faith to believe in that God of miracles. In Mark 6, 38, he says, how much bread do you have? He asked, go and find out. They came back and reported, we have five loaves and of bread and two fish. Do we really believe in the God of miracles? Are you here today or are you watching online? And do you believe that God is able to do a miracle in your life? Maybe sometimes we pray and we ask the Lord, Lord, do this and Lord, do that. But we don't pray with faith. We don't pray really believing that God can answer our petition. I think I've told you the story uh, of a young girl that uh, in this in one certain place where there was a drought that was going on, there was no water and it was going on for a long time. And so the lo- local church there, they called for a time of fasting and prayer and to come and pray that it would rain. And so on one evening, all the people came together and they gathered in the little church to pray for rain. And as they came in, they all came in ready to pray. And this little girl, she walked in with an umbrella. Because she really believed that as they gathered together to pray for rain, she needed her umbrella to walk out because rain was going to come. How many of us, we pray with that kind of faith that we really, even if we're asking for something impossible in our life, in our family, in our job, in our, in our spiritual life, in whatever situation, can we pray with faith? Here's a story of a woman. She had a, uh, an issue of blood and, and uh, a sickness, and she was coming to Jesus. She realized, if I can just touch the hem of Jesus' garment. See the faith that she had. If I can just but touch Jesus, I know I'll be healed. It says here, she touched the fringe of his robe, for she thought, if I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be encouraged. Look at the specific words he uses here. Your faith has made you well. She believed in the God of miracles. She believed that Jesus could touch and heal her if she just but by faith reached out and touched the Lord. That woman was healed at that moment. Friends, if we exercise our faith, our belief in the Lord, today if you're here and and you're not a believer in Jesus and you're just exploring the Christian faith, first of all, thank you for joining us. And I want to invite you to come out to Alpha that's starting next week um, as we explore the things of the Christian faith and dig a little bit deeper into what Jesus does. And one of the the talks is about uh, how God heals. But if you're a follower of Jesus here today, can I encourage you to believe in Jesus and to have faith in him? That he is the God of miracles that can do something. There was a time, and we're going to, in Mark chapter 2, and we're going to dig into the story uh, in a few weeks' time of a group of friends that came, and they had one of their friends who was a paralytic. He was paralyzed. He couldn't walk. And so they lowered him down into the roof. And here in Mark chapter 2, it says, you're seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. He saw faith in operation. And later on in the story, which again, we'll dig into in a few weeks time, that man rose up and started to walk. He saw their faith. Can I ask you to take your phone out for a second? Go to your calendar. Okay. February 26th, put inside your calendar. We're having a healing service here Sunday morning. Invite your friends to come out. Invite people to come. If they need a touch of healing, we're going to pray for healing. We're going to preach on healing. We're going to believe in faith that Jesus can heal. We're going to dig into the story about Jesus healing the paralytic. February, Sunday, February 26th, at the end of the service, we're going to offer prayer for healing. I can't heal. We can't heal. But Jesus can heal. 
and if we come with faith. So I'm letting you know, February 26th, leave all the doubts and unbelief outside the door, please. Okay? All the doubts and all the unbelief and uh, can Jesus really heal? Can Jesus Leave all of that outside the door. Walk in this place with faith, believing that Jesus can heal. Walk in this place with faith that Jesus can heal us holistically. Look at another place. So the reason I say leave all your unbelief outside, because look, in Matthew 13, there was in another situation. It says here, and so he did only a few miracles there because of what? Their unbelief. He did only a few miracles because of their unbelief. Friends, if we believe, we will see the glory of God. If we believe, we will see the glory of God. If we believe, we will see the impossible. I want to encourage you to take that step of faith to believe. Sometimes people nowadays, they think, oh, well, is mir- are, do miracles really happen? Are miracles possible? Can Jesus still heal? Christ is our Savior, and he is also our healer. He is able to heal today. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talking about the spiritual gifts that God gives to the church, the church to the body of Christ to edify and build up believers, he says here, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can help each other. The same spirit gives great faith to another. And to someone else, the, spirit, the one spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform Miracles. These gifts of healing and miracles as parts of the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation today. We serve a God of miracles that can do miracles, that can do healings. He is able to do that. Lee Strobel, who was an investigative journalist, he was an atheist. And his wife had become a Christian. And he was really upset about the fact that his wife had become a Christian. And he wanted to disprove Christianity, disprove Christ, disprove all of these things. And so as an investigative journalist, he set out on a a pathway to try to um, disprove Christianity. And after all of his research and after all of his skepticism and after all of what he did, he actually realized that the way of Christ is true. And he wrote a book, some of you might have read, it's called The Case for Christ. And it talks about his journey to faith. He wrote another book. Well, he's written many books. But another book that he wrote is called The Case for Miracles. And he was a skeptic as well for miracles. He was thinking, "Ah, I don't know, is there, like, does this really happen? And so he went on this journey, this investigative journey to find out, do miracles really happen? You can read his book, uh, The Case for Miracles by Lee Strobel. In that, he came to three conclusions after doing all of his research. Number one, God is still in the miracle working business. Number two, miracles occur a lot more often than people think. And number three, a lot of miracles are documented more than skeptics suppose. Those were his conclusions after going on this journey, discovering uh, uh, miracles. And so he defined, mir- he defined miracle like this uh, from uh, a professor of philosophy at Western uh, Washington University called Richard Pertel. He said this, a miracle is an event brought about by the power of God that is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature for the purpose of showing that God has acted in history. It's a pretty good definition of miracle. A miracle is an event brought about by the power of God that is a temporary exception to the ordinary course of nature for the purpose of showing that God has acted in history. If God can speak the world into existence, if God can speak the universe into existence, if God can create the heavens and the earth, is it too hard for him to work a miracle in our lives? I don't think so. 
Part of uh, Lee Strobel's uh, investigative uh, uh, journalism as he studied this case for miracles was doing polling. He hired a company, uh, unbiased company, to do polling uh, in the United States uh, about miracles. And here are some of the things that he discovered through, these, through his uh, investigative journalism. He, sa he said this, two of every five people said that they had one experience in their life that they could only classify as a miracle. Two in five. That's a lot that said, I've gone through something in my life that I can only explain it, that it's a miracle. 55%, now these are stats in America, 55% of doctors have said that they have experienced something in their practice that they can only explain as a miracle. Only 15% of Americans believe that miracles can't happen. And maybe I'll go into this a little bit more next time, but he, he talked about in a lot of different places around the world of amazing miracles that had taken place and people that had actually gone, skeptics that have actually gone there to do scientific study to see, is this really happening? And they themselves were blown away by the kinds of miracles and healings that were, take, that were taking place. You can read his book. I'll talk about it a little bit in our next, uh, on, on February 26th when we have our healing service. Friends, believe in the Lord. Jesus operates in the realm of faith. Let's stop operating just in the realm of possibility, but follow in the steps of Jesus and operate in the realm of the impossibility because we serve a God of miracles. And number three is that Jesus can multiply what we have to be a blessing to others. Anything that we keep to us, anything that we keep to ourselves, anything that we hold on to, guess what? We hold on to it. Anything we give to the Lord and surrender to his hands and allow him to use, he breaks it, blesses it, and multiplies it for others. So what do you want to do? Do you want to keep your life to yourself or do you want to give your life to Jesus to bless, break, and make it a blessing to others? Now, now the blessing to others, and the, that all sounds nice, but guess what? There's also a breaking that takes place, and that's not always easy to do. Anything we give to the hand of God, he can bless, break, and multiply and make it a blessing to others. In, verse, in chapter 6 and verse 41 of the Gospel of Mark, Jesus took the, low, the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up toward heaven and he blessed them. Then breaking the loaves into pieces, he kept giving the bread to the disciples so they could distribute it to the people. He also divided the fish for everyone to share. What are the talents, the skills, the abilities that God has gifted you with? What are the things that God uh, has, has given to you that if you were to surrender and give it back to the Lord, he could bless, break, and multiply it so that many will be blessed and encouraged? The experiences you have with Jesus changes the ordinary into the extraordinary. I'll say that again. We're in this series of experiences. The experiences that you have with Jesus can change the ordinary into the extraordinary. We see this in so many ways in the ministry of Jesus. When Jesus healed that man that was a demoniac filled with so many demons, that man became a blessing to many others because he started to go around and tell a story of what Jesus had done for him. He was broken, but Jesus blessed him and sent him off. There was a woman, that, a Samaritan woman that spoke to Jesus uh, at a well, and she was broken. Jesus broke her, even by acknowledging what her sinful state was. But she was blessed, and she became, uh, she started to tell everyone else and say, this man is the Messiah. There was a woman named Mary Magdalene 
The Bible says that she was filled with seven demons and Jesus set her free. And as Jesus set her free, she was broken, she was blessed, and, she, and her testimony became a blessing to many. She, she traveled with Jesus, she blessed Jesus, and she blessed so many others. And we can go on and on and talk about how many different people were touched by encountering Jesus. And as they encountered Jesus, they were broken and they were blessed, and they became a blessing to many others as well. What are the gifts and talents that you're holding on to? Left in our own hands, with our own hard work, can only go so far but surrendered and given into the hands of Jesus that he can bless and break them, he can multiply it to feed and bless thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Even though it says Jesus feeds the 5,000, more than likely it was probably around 20,000, 25,000, maybe even more than that, that were there because it was just the men that they were counting. So if you take the men and maybe they were married and they had two kids, three kids, that's probably around the, the demographics during our time. But during their time, it was probably about six, seven kids. Right? You're getting close to 50,000 people, maybe more than that, that Jesus fed. If we surrender into the hands of this young boy had just five loaves and two fishes. So many times we think, Lord, what can I do for you? Lord, what, what I have, it, it can't go anywhere. Well, if you were that little boy that had five loaves and two fishes and you came to, to the disciples, you probably thought there's all of these thousands and thousands of people. What is my five loaves and two fishes going to do for these thousands and thousands of people? Well, in the hands of Jesus, it can do a lot. If that little boy kept those five loaves and two fishes to himself, maybe he feeds two or three people. But given into the hands of Jesus, he feeds thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Breaking is not always easy, but it's the precursor to the blessing. Kisa, you talked about a breaking that you went through. I think that was the precursor to the blessing. We go through breakings, but God has something for us. What breaking experience are you going through today? If you look in the Old Testament, there was a time, this, Jesus fed thousands and thousands of people, but do you want to know even a greater miracle? In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel were in the wilderness, and they were complaining for food, God was giving them manna, and they were complaining, oh, what is this manna? I've done everything I can with this manna. Why are we eating manna the whole time? Well, God told Moses that I'm going to send them quails, I'm going to send them uh, food to eat, not for one day, not for two days, not for one month, not for two months, but they had food for 40 years. Can you imagine? This is one meal Jesus is feeding to 5,000 people, but in the Old Testament, the Almighty God fed millions of people in the wilderness for 40 years. Ah, that's a pretty great miracle, don't you think? We serve the God of miracles. We serve a God that can do the impossible when God told Moses, this is what I'm going to do, Moses himself, after seeing all of the miracles in Egypt that God had done in bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, after Moses witnessing the parting of the Red Sea and the children of Israel walking through the Red Sea to come into the, into the wilderness, after Moses seeing all of those things, Moses still doubted and said, God, how are you going to do this? And this was God's response. Then the Lord said to Moses, has my arm lost its power? 
power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. I ask you, dear friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, has God's arm lost its power? No, it hasn't. Has God's arm lost its power? No, it hasn't. Has the God of miracles stopped working? No, he hasn't. As he, has he stopped doing what was impossible? No, he hasn't. As we are broken and as we are blessed, he will make us a blessing to thousands upon thousands. If you think of the apostle Peter, Peter was, was very bold. He told the Lord, I'll follow you wherever you go. I won't deny you, uh, Lord. Even, after, even if I have to give my own life for you, I will do that. And the Lord told Peter, you're going to deny me three times. He said, no, 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 that will never happen. But it happened. Peter denied the Lord. And he was broken. He turned back to Jesus in repentance. He wept and he cried because of that. And after Jesus rose again from the dead, he went and he found Peter. Now remember, in this story of feeding the 5,000, when Jesus saw the people there, what did we read? He had compassion on the multitude because he saw them as sheep that didn't have a shepherd. He saw them as people that were sheep without a shepherd, and so he taught them. And so when, Pete, when Jesus comes to Peter, after Peter had denied the Lord, and they're on the shore, Peter had gone back fishing, and Jesus called Peter and some of the other disciples, and P Jesus has a conversation with Peter. Peter is broken, and Jesus has a conversation with Peter. And what does Jesus say to Peter? Peter, can you feed my sheep? Right? He asked them the first question, Peter, do you love me? Look, you know, this happened. You denied me, so I need, I need to get back to the roots here. Do you still love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Feed my sheep. Jesus asked again, Peter, do you love me? He says, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my lambs. And then the, for the third time, he asked, Peter, do you love me? And the Bible says there, Peter's heart was broken. He was broken. Lord, why are you asking me this a third time? Don't you know that I love you? I'm broken, Lord. I'm sorry for what I did. My heart is broken. I'm sorry for denying you. I know you're asking me three times, Lord. I, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. My heart is broken. I'm sorry for denying you. My heart is broken. I know, Peter. Feed my sheep. I wonder if, if Peter got memories of feeding the 5,000. And how Jesus did this amazing miracle to feed and bless all those people. And now Peter was broken and he was blessed and he was given an opportunity to lead the people of God. I'm going to tell you a story of a, of a woman named Barbara Snyder as I close today. Um, Lee Strobel tells this story in, in his book, The Case for Miracles. And Lee, Lee Strobel says that this is probably the, the most impactful story in his research of what happened as he was examining miracles. And as he tells the story about Barbara Snyder, it just blew him away. She was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis at the Mayo Clinic. And for several years, she started to deteriorate, deteriorate. She had multiple surgeries, hospitalizations. Finally, she was put into hospice in her home. 
One of her, one of her doctors who had performed uh, 25,000 operations in her career, he said this of Barbara's case, it was one of, the most hopeless, one of the most hopelessly ill patients that I ever saw. One of her lungs was non-functional, the other one was inflated to about 50, uh, 50%. She had a tube in order to breathe. She was legally blind, she could only just see shadows. She had a feeding tube. She hadn't walked in seven years. Her legs uh, had atrophied, and so her muscles were all gone. She, her body was curled up like a pretzel. Her fingers were curled up like a pretzel. Her, her, her feet as well were all curled up. She was in, in a terrible state. Her parents had met with the doctors and said, and said, okay, the next time she gets pneumonia because she would get bouts of pneumonia, they weren't going to treat her because it would just prolong her sickness and her suffering. One day, somebody called the radio station WMBI, which was a radio station run by Moody Bible Institute, and asked, can we pray for Barbara? She's on her deathbed getting ready to die. Can we pray for her? And people started to pray, and there was at least 450 people that prayed for her because 450 people wrote letters into the radio station. On Pentecost Sunday... Her friends came to visit her and brought some of those letters to read to her. Curled up in her bed, unable to breathe on her own, as the friends read those letters, she heard a booming voice that said, my child, get up and walk. The friends unfortunately didn't hear that voice. And she signaled to them they had to come and put their finger on her throat in order for her to be able to talk. And she told them what she had heard. And just like that, instantaneously, she jumped out of her bed, her feet flat on the floor. She looked down and couldn't believe that her feet were actually flat on the floor because it was curled, before, curled up before. She looked at her hands and her hands had stretched out and she, her hands were flat. And then only she realized that she could see again because she was legally blind. And she could see her feet and she could see her hands. And they all started jumping and dancing in her room. And her mom came in and looked at her legs and saw that her muscles had come back to strength. And the next morning, she went to one of her doctors, Dr. Thomas Marshall. He'd been an internist for 30 years. And his response was this, this is medically impossible. And he said this quote, I have never witnessed anything like this before or since and considered it a rare privilege to observe the hand of God performing a true miracle. We serve a God of miracles. Lee Strobel documented this whole thing, saw all of that, interviewed her face-to-face, -face, talked with her doctors, and saw all the reports. This is not made up. We serve a God of miracles. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. He's the light in the darkness. Let's stand today. Can I ask you to stand and just, just open up your hands like this? and invite the Holy Spirit. And let's pray that ancient prayer as we get ready to sing. And pray that ancient prayer to say, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, miracle worker. Come, promise keeper. Come, be my light in my darkness. Lord, I know that you can do the impossible because you are the miracle worker. Friends, if we believe, 
we will see the glory of God.